Welcome to Illegal Double Team. We are Jonathan and Christina Snowden, and we love professional wrestling. And Christina, uh, we love professional wrestling, but it was almost a little bit too much. Like, we watch a lot of wrestling on the regular, but um, this weekend and, and all week long, it, it was almost a wrestling overload. Almost. Not quite. You were still feeling it. Yeah, I was just I was ready to jump back into New Japan as soon as Royal Rumble was over. So. Oh, yeah, I guess we couldn't have, it couldn't have been too bad an overdose because we immediately turned on New Japan <laughs> for wrestling today, and both of us uh, begrudgingly showing some respect and love for Tai Chi, our, our nemesis, the yeah. last wrestler I didn't like on the roster. I I it's those backstage comments. Oh, he's so funny. I mean, everybody's just so charming back there. I I. It's like I can't find anybody that I don't like anymore. Yes, if you watch New Japan Pro Wrestling and you have New Japan World, you absolutely must watch the backstage comments. They usually come out the day after the event, and they translate all the interviews that the guys do. And there's a lot of really good promos there, and it'll make you see another side of the wrestlers. And so, uh, even Tai Chi. Yeah, it's where their personalities really come out even more. Um, so, yeah, I found... A lot of wrestlers that, uh, you know, first I didn't think they interested me. Then I got to know a little bit more of their uh, personality, their story. And like I said, I'm having a hard time finding anybody to root against. But this weekend uh, was not really about New Japan Pro Wrestling for once. Uh, you know, it's, it's the Royal Rumble. And, and that's what the, the weekend centered around. Um, even when we had kind of fallen out of wrestling almost entirely, that was the, the, the hardest one to let go is the, the Royal Rumble because it's always um, among my favorite cards of the entire year. Yeah, when you were the most negative about WWE, I'd still be there telling you, oh, are you sure we're not going to watch the Royal Rumble? Are you sure? And you'd always turn it on. Yeah, and that was back when they just had a single Rumble. Now, now there are two rumbles. That's right, double rumble. Double the rumble. So maybe that's too much, but we'll, we'll, we'll get into that later. Um, anything you wanted to say about the rumble before we get into the top five where we select the five things we love the most about professional wrestling this week? Uh, it was a little long. It was very long, like yeah. 137 hours, I think. I think that um, you know, it sort of uh, colored how we thought about it. And like you said, I think it was good that we we had planned to record this right after Royal Rumble, but it was so long, it was so late that we couldn't uh, do it. it kept going and going and going, like, yeah, that was just untenable. Yeah, I think, I think it was a good idea to wait a day because I think we would have maybe been a little bitter. Yeah, a little exhausted <laughs> by it all at the, in the moment. And I think that would have reflected on, you know, how we talked about it and thought about it because... Um, having a day to, to let it all process, I think my I, I felt a lot better about what I had seen uh, with the power of just that little bit of retrospect. Yeah, I think I feel that way too. All right, so let's uh, jump into the top five. All right. Five, four, three, two, one, fire. At number five, um, out of the Royal Rumble, uh, the Universal Champion Brock Lesnar. And uh, he defended his, his championship against Finn Balor. And uh, to me, I thought this was the best match of the night. I didn't think it was the best match of the night, but I did enjoy it. It had a lot of elements that, that I like. Um, it had, um, you know, Finn just giving it everything he had because, I mean, really, he only had one shot against Brock. It had Brock manhandling a smaller guy, which... Like I always enjoy, had tons of references to Brock's diverticulitis, <laughs> <laughs> which is that's pro. I would have to imagine that's the most anyone has ever talked about diverticulitis in a wrestling match. Um, but I did enjoy it. Yeah, I mean, so I, what I really liked about it is the fact that they they didn't try to create some kind of 30 or 45 minute epic. And that seems to be the way like wrestlers uh, seem to believe that they have to do that to have a good match. And so they, a lot of times these matches feel like they're 10 or 15 minutes longer than they, than they might be ideally just because, you know, the guys think, well, you know, I'm in this big spot. This is what's expected of me. But uh, I think it worked better in small doses. And, and, you know, it was more believable that way that Balor had this this short, sudden burst, this chance at winning. But, you know, the longer it went, the, the harder it was going to be on him. Yeah, he came, he came out hard. He came out fast. 
And then he, you know, tried the uh, attacking the diverticulitis <laughs> with the corner of the announce table. Like I said, he had really that that one shot, um, and it didn't pay off. But he gave it his all. Yeah. So that was a you know you see you read a lot online where there's like these hardcore wrestling fans that are very bitter about Brock Lesnar and the fact that he only wrestles a few times a year and he's got this contract and he doesn't defend the belt enough and all these things, and they've created this scenario in their mind where Brock's not a good professional wrestler. Um, this this just disputes you don't even have to say a word the match itself disputes that premise i mean brock was so great in this like there are very few wrestlers on the wwe roster that could sell that the stomach pain that he was selling throughout that match as consistently and as good as he did to the point where i i know there was people who were thinking who were actually believing like man it's how he really hurt himself didn't he like he messed himself up no i i always think he does a great job i'm not one of those people who's <laughs> has any beef with brock lesnar no i mean we're watching one of the great professional wrestlers of all time and uh you know his pairing with paul Heyman, like it's just a great package and if you can't enjoy that like you need to reevaluate what you're looking at because i mean it's uh you're watching something pretty special yep. so uh you know one of my favorite things about the match was um Finn Balor was doing these series of suicide dives, kind of similar to what Jay Lethal does in Ring of Honor, where he goes through the ropes, but he was going over the ropes, like kind of Kenny Omega style. And on one of them, he just disastrously misjudged his dive. And poor Brock Lesnar, like, and thank God for Brock Lesnar. You know, I think Finn Balor owes him a thousand Molsons or whatever he drinks up there near Canada, uh, because Brock, like, dove. Uh, to save this man, like yeah. to, to catch him on this, yeah, great, one of those dives. great body awareness, great being aware of both where you are and where your opponent is. Yeah, it was a good job. Yeah, so uh, 100,000 uh, stars on the Dave Meltzer <laughs> scale for that one. I don't know, I, I really loved it. I, I think that Finn Balor was probably questioning there at the end, like he had the ability to just put on a little makeup and become a super powerful demon creature, chose not to. Uh, may have been a mistake. <laughs> I don't know. I think he should have gone the demon route. He might have wanted to go for it. I mean, you have that choice to be a supernatural comic book character, or you could just be a little Irish Finn Balor. He made his, his choice, and he's got to live with it now. I think he'll be all right. <laughs> so I love I love that. Um, the other match uh, in, that we, we wanted to talk about from the Royal Rumble was the, the women's not just a match, but just kind of like the, the women's evolution generally. Uh, because as many great performers as there, there are on the men's side, I, I think we both agree that the women kind of stole the show. Yeah, I, I actually, I think I have to kind of agree with that. Um, lot Several great singles matches and, you know, quite frankly, I think I preferred the women's rumble to the men's, which I found a little anticlimactic to be entirely honest yeah i mean i thought the the women did well the women's rumble was kind of like two rumbles because yeah. it, was, it was so long over an hour <laughs> i mean it felt like it lasted forever and and, and i'm not gonna lie because you know as positive was we want to be on this podcast like there was probably a half hour of that women's rumble that was just oh my gosh like you know you, i was afraid it was like in the running for among the worst matches ever for in, in pieces but then there would always be something that that would pick up like you know uh, Nikki Cross would come in and, and they, they would, they, it would like invigorate the match for a little bit. And then the, the lady would dress up as a Street Fighter character, went under the ring, and then Hornswoggle, the, the midget, was under there. <laughs> and like, you know, just these like little things would happen during the course of the match that would bring it back alive. And then by the end, uh, they, they were on to something pretty good. Yeah, I mean, it was a little predictable. I think we all knew what it was going to look like at the end and when we were looking at the, the final four. Um, but yeah, I, I thought the last half of that rumble uh, was pretty entertaining, and that made it more entertaining than the men's rumble, in my opinion. So, was there anything in particular that, that stood out to you? Oh, my favorite thing about the rumble was Charlotte Flair's entrance, by far. She looked amazing. That was a great outfit. <laughs> yeah, that glorious peacock-like uh, robe, her boots, which I'd actually already seen uh, on social media before the match, and, and they looked even better on her. And uh, yeah, she just, she looked amazing. So that was my favorite part of the Rumble. I, I mean, 
sorry, I didn't pick something wrestling related, <laughs> but but that was my favorite part. Well, the the other uh, sartorial choice that that played into the match that I enjoyed was Alicia Fox had this uh, very bedazzled hat. And then uh, <laughs> that's one, my hat. <laughs> and one of the heels was trying to stomp on this hat, and this hat refused to cooperate. Like the gimmick was, she was going to destroy the hat, and the hat is just sitting there like, "No, nah, I'm good." <laughs> she never did like make a dent in that hat, but they had to pretend like they were outraged by it. And then there was uh, the other thing that I really uh, the, the the performer that stood out to me that I'd never seen before. I mean, I'd seen her before on television. It was uh, Casey, the American Ninja Warrior. Um, and she was just a little spitfire, but you know she obviously has this incredible next level athleticism, and I, I saw a lot of potential in her to be kind of like the women's division uh, Rey Mysterio Jr. or something like you know she you could see uh, you know the the potential there for her to do a lot of good things. Yeah, I mean I saw the athleticism. I think I'd have to see more wrestling from her to know whether or not it's really going to work out in the ring. Sure, I and mean, that's why they have the developmental territory. That's but you right. know, it was just that opportunity to see some of these people on the bigger stage, and you get like glimpses of what what could come. So that was pretty cool. And then, of course, it's always great when we get to see Fit Finley, and because of his <laughs> extreme Irish bias, uh, he allowed Becky Lynch into the the match, even though she wasn't supposed to be part of the match. Uh, and, <laughs> but you know, even though he was clearly uh, not playing fair, it, it it is nice to see Fit Finley. Yeah, I we're sitting here watching the women's rumble, wondering you know who's gonna come out or whatever. And probably my biggest pop was for Fit Finley just walking down the ramp. <laughs> um, and so you know it wouldn't be complete though if we didn't discuss uh, Nia Jax and not only her performance in the the women's rumble, which you know obviously she was. Uh, you know, she was slaughtering girls right and left when she was in there and had a, a great standoff with Becky Lynch and, and did some cool things. But then uh, came out in, into the men's rumble, which was a, a big surprise. Obviously a huge surprise. I'm still not 100% how I feel about that development. Um, but, uh, yeah, it was a surprise. <laughs> I mean, she came out and, you know, she eliminated um, Mustafa Ali, uh, who was a fan favorite during the match and did some really uh, cool things and, and spent a lot of time in there. And she knocked him out. And then she interacted with uh, three of the top men superstars. I mean, two, like, legends, legitimate yeah. legends in, uh, in Rey Mysterio Jr., who hit her with his 619 finish. And then uh, out of nowhere... <laughs> That's right. Randy out Orton. Out of nowhere. I am... Um... Yeah, that had to have been, I think, probably really cool for her. I'm assuming. I would think it would be cool. Yeah, I, I wonder what they're going to do with that. Because for a long time now, um, since they've been uh, back on the USA Network and they've had this deal with Mattel Toys, they've been very cautious about having men and women interact physically. Obviously, we were fans in the day where it used to happen a lot more often, um, usually in kind of gross ways where the woman is taking a beating um in ways that didn't feel comfortable but now um there's kind of like a, a resurgence of, of mixed gender wrestling and you, and you see it on the independent scene a lot with, a lot more like yeah. on the bar wrestling in 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 california and joey ryan and and there's a bunch of people that do these mixed gender um matches and they do they do a really good job with them so i wonder if that's uh if wwe sees a future in that or if this was just kind of like a one-off like she's going to be positioned like the new china or something I don't know. I mean, there are several women wrestling who were in in the Rumble this year who have had a history of uh, mixed gender uh, wrestling on the independent scene. So I, I don't know if maybe they are moving in that direction. I'm, be, I'm curious. Yeah, I mean, WWE makes me nervous because <laughs> they do tend to screw things up. They do. And they don't have the best track record when it comes to sensitivity to, to racial and ethnic, religious or, or gender issues. So, you know, with that background, um, I see you're making a face like, ugh. Yeah, I'm cringing a little bit. Just a, a, a preemptive cringe. That's right. Uh, so the, the, the number three thing on our list is also from the Royal Rumble. Well, we, we didn't talk about any of the women's singles matches. Oh, you, oh, of course, sorry. Please, Yeah. by all means. Well, we well, we didn't talk about Oscar and Becky Lynch. Yes, opening uh, which the show. I, yeah, I really enjoyed that match. I've, First of all, Asuka's whole look, amazing, with her rainbow bright hair and 
and she always looks so good. Are you really going to dye your hair a uh, color? I well, <laughs> I had said like maybe I'd pick like one color, but then I saw her do and thought, yeah, why do I have to pick a color? I'm... I mean, why be why limit yourself that <laughs> That's way? That's right. And um <clears throat> but I did have to admit that um you know, one of the things that sort of confuses me, make makes it a little tough sometimes for me to to get into WWE is um I get a little confused about the booking sometimes, and I did. I have to admit, I was a little confused about the decision to go from having Becky Lynch lose clean to then putting her in the Women's Rumble to win it. Yeah, so it's pretty. Uh, the criticism of WWE booking uh, that you hear the most often is that it's what they call 50 50 booking, which is, you know, win one, lose one. And so they're very nervous about like letting someone have an extended streak of, of winning, 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 winning. Um, and I, I don't understand it. Like historically, that's what works. And yet, you know, they, it's almost like they want to keep this kind of parody. Um, if you want to give them the benefit of the doubt, uh, especially since my understanding is that Becky Lynch chose Ronda Rousey as her next opponent at WrestleMania. So what they've maybe done is long term, they've set up a storyline for you know, down the road in SummerSlam or Survivor Series or next year's WrestleMania or whatever, where, you know, Becky maybe beats Ronda, but she still has this lingering loss to Asuka, and they play into that in six months or something. That's giving them a huge, a lot of credit they probably don't deserve, but maybe that's the direction they're going. Yeah, I mean, I, I see what the direction is. I just don't understand it. I don't understand getting how they get from point A to point B. It just doesn't. To me, it just doesn't make any sense. I understand it's what the fans want. I understand it's what's going to make them money. What I don't understand is why you put her in a, a title match for the SmackDown belt and you have her lose clean. I'm sorry, but I don't understand it. Yeah, I think it's a calculated risk because what they were counting on is that she has enough uh, established credibility and love with the fans that she could weather a loss like that and come back just as strong. And, and Asuka probably needed that victory to, to kind of be put back on the level where she needs to be if she's going to be the champion. And so uh, they took that risk with Becky. And I think they were proven correct because the, the crowd was just as much for her in the Rumble and just as much for her on Raw from what I understand. And so um, it, it worked out. So now they've got Asuka as a, as a strong champion and they've got Becky still, you know, with the crowd behind her is the the new Stone Cold Steve Austin, and uh, I feel stupid because when they people were first making that comparison when she was getting the crowd behind her, I was like kind of poo pooing it, like come on, she's not like I'm still poo pooing it. Sorry. <laughs> well, I mean, whether or not you you personally enjoy it or not, like it's objectively you can't deny that like she got the biggest reactions of um, anybody on the show. So um, it she's she's done it. She's put, she's, uh, you know, for a long time they've been talking about like, oh, we're going to make, we're going to elevate these women and they're going to be on the same level as the men. And you can't, you can say that, but you can't do it if the crowd's not behind it. And now the crowd has found someone that they're behind. And so um, I, I hope that they don't mess it up. All right. Good for her. Did you want to talk about Rousey or? Uh, I also enjoyed her match with with Sasha Banks. I, I like the storytelling in that match. It helped that we saw that excellent promo before the Royal Rumble of uh, Sasha Banks preparing. And that story got carried into the match very well with her um, having practiced countering um, Rousey's armbar and then also working on an armbar of her own and several other submissions and um and showing that in the match so it was uh it was a nice story it was well told yeah it was cool that they showed you know they made it feel like sports for a minute where they showed her preparing for a match and practicing and she had drew gulak and the amazing red showing her moves and helping her prepare for rousey and it reminded me of some of the you know wwe does not do that a lot but you know they pull it out occasionally like i remember when Shawn michaels was going to fight bret hart in their iron man match they showed sean training back with his original trainer jose lothario uh, they did like a comedy version of it when vince was going to fight stone cold and vince and shane were training and uh, 
<laughs> and it's some comical workout scenes. And then and they played it seriously again uh, the first time Brock Lesnar was in WWE and he had a match with The Rock. And, and they did a lot of training vignettes with them. And, and it worked really well. So um, those things work. And it's just like why they don't know more of them is anybody's guess. But it worked know. well I, here. Yeah, I enjoyed it a lot. So, uh, the, number three. All right, now we can now, move on. Now we can move on. Sorry, I, didn't, I did not. <laughs> I felt like you were you were selling the women short for a I second. I did. I shortchanged. I was trying <laughs> to uh, go. Maybe I was influenced by Jerry the King Lawler. Fluffies. <laughs> uh, but no, they were credible, serious athletes and deserved uh, our blathering for a few more minutes about them. <laughs> but the, the other match that um, the, the crowd didn't. Uh, it was put in a position where the, the you know the crowd was exhausted from the women's rumble but the match the actual match between Daniel Bryan and AJ Styles I thought was uh, was really well done wrestling match yeah very well executed a lot of really nice wrestling and um, you know the story there of them you know really kind of getting under each other's skin really getting into their head and um, and then just the real traditional, you know, work in the body part until they're both all crippled up at the end. <laughs> <laughs> and they so and they and they maintain the selling of it throughout, which oh, always yeah. adds to the the credibility. And uh, you know, Daniel Bryan was uh, a heel without being like too entirely obnoxious about it. Like you know, just the subtle things like his I uh, have until five to to hold his. Uh, I love that. Yeah, that's always a good bit. <laughs> And then just kind of like, you know, he was a little bit meaner than he usually is. Right. That's kind of what what it was. And and that was working well. And they... A little bit meaner than he has been in WWE. Yes. <laughs> yes. I mean, if you watch his matches in Ring of Honor and other places, like, you know, he's a bastard. A little bastard. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, he's he's done this before. But um, I think he's really, uh, we talked about it last week, you know, he's... He's just as good on the heel side as he was on the the babyface side as the yes, 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 uh, people's champion, and that's uh, it's remarkable that someone is uh, able to hold both those roles, um, you know, because usually once a, they they love you as much as they loved him, you you can't get that legitimate reaction, but I I think he's there. Yeah, because his he is magnetic. Like, his, his personality is magnetic. It's not what he's feeding to the crowd. That's not what they're reacting to. I mean, they may think that that's what they're reacting to, but they're not. They're reacting to, to him as a personality. And so he's going to be able to manipulate people with whatever he's saying, with whatever he's feeding them, whether that's being, you know, a sweet baby face or whether or not that's being an insulting heel it doesn't matter. They're reacting to him. You know what's incredible about it is, you, you know, I've, I interviewed him like three or four times, and then he has an autobiography that, that I'm reading right now on my on my Kindle. And uh, he's, uh, this was supposed to be his weakness. Like, uh, he was, he lacked emotion, and his face was so expressionless that early in his career, they made him wear a mask because he would just have this dead look on his face. And, you know, he was terrible at promos. And that was supposed to be what his weak point was when he came into WWE. Even, like, you know, he came up as, like, the Miz's rookie. And it's like, you know, he went out to the ring and didn't know what to say. And uh, he went from being that person to someone who tells this great story just with his facial expressions. And he cuts this these uh, really uh, incredible promos that have such... They're so heartfelt that you can just, you believe in him. And this was a guy that they used to try to hide from the world, you know. Well, I can imagine because, uh, yeah, I think of if you think of a lot of the other, um, a lot of people who give, you know, what are supposed to be or what are good promos. I mean, they border on being very nearly caricatures, and so if you, I think if you have in your mind that that's what you're supposed to be and that's the only way to do it, then somebody who's just like you said, heartfelt and where it just seems to just be coming through, you know, their face and their eyes and just their words and not, then they don't have to be this big, giant, expressive person. You'll just think, well, that's not going to work. But the truth is, is that if you're good at it, 
Like it will work. People will be drawn in by that. Yeah, and and that's what's great about Brian is that uh, you know the material he's been giving given it could be in the wrong hands. It's hokey, just like the worst WWE material. Like you, you could take it's a little over the top, uh, and, and it could be corny as heck if it was in somebody else's hands. But the way he delivers it and believes it, like you have to make yourself believe it. And that's what the great people have. Like that's the difference between Stone Cold Steve Austin and every other one who's followed him saying, I'm going to kick your ass and I hate the boss. And like it, you believed it when he said it. Right. He had that anger inside, like because he had been fired by WCW and Eric Bischoff and, you know, people had doubted him and said he wasn't going to make it. Like he had that chip on his shoulder and you believed that he hated the wrestling establishment and had something to prove to them. And that's why it worked. And so I think that probably there's pieces of Brian that believes in, in the things that he's delivering. And uh, that's uh, it, that's what makes it special. Okay. So that was the Royal Rumble. There were many other things we could have talked about. Uh, Shane McMahon's terrible punches. Shane McMahon's incredible shooting star press. Uh, the fact that Cesaro, one of the best wrestlers in the entire world, had to lay down for Shane McMahon. A lot of Shane McMahon content we could have done, but uh, we, we did not. Um, Double J was there. Yay! Jerry the King Waller <laughs> was there in some sort of affliction-style t-shirt. Okay. At 137 <laughs> years old. A lot was going on. But um, the night before the Royal Rumble, to me, was the standout. And it, it's easy to forget because the rumble happens and there's and then raw happens and you know there's so much going on that you can forget that just the night before at NXT uh, the the men and women of that show uh, went out and, and just killed it at, like they always do. Yeah, I mean I didn't forget. I mean it's I you know I, I have to be honest. It's part of the reason why the rumble felt like a little bit of a letdown to be perfectly honest because you know. That NXT TakeOver show was so good from top to bottom. It was so fun. You just wanted that to continue. At least I did. I wanted that. Con- I That's what I wanted f- to feel throughout the Royal Rumble. It, it wasn't. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and then, that, you know, just generally talking about NXT, it is kind of hard to reconcile the fact that the same corporation that produces Raw and SmackDown and, and these programs that just feel dead and emotionless and, and just rotting on the vine uh, also produces NXT, which just feels so vibrant and, and, and everyone delivers and the people seem happy to be there. And I, I just, I don't, I don't understand why, like, why can't they bring that spirit? Cause it's not that the performers in WWE are all bad. A lot of them were the same people that were great in NXT. It's like, but something about, the formula that the you know in the in the corporate structure that once you get to the big show it's like it, they just kill all of the spirit out of you i guess i don't know it's hard to, to understand well i know one of the things that i pinpointed for myself and and you i think you even commented on it when you were talking about you know really kind of understanding uh johnny gargano now is that the booking in NXT makes sense to me it just makes sense. Like, I understand what they're trying to do. I don't understand the WWE. I just don't. I try, and I just cannot figure it out. And I think, to me, that that makes a huge difference in how much I enjoy NXT versus how much I tend not to enjoy <laughs> WWE. Yeah, like, so the WWE is so reactive, and maybe that's the difference between being the part of the company that you know can move literally move stock prices and and money and like you have to get ratings and it's like so you know they might have this well thought out plan but then someone says about oh we got you know we we promised the advertisers we got to hit this rating number or you know there's there could be all these all these reasons that they change direction but i definitely think that that plays a part in it whereas at NXT where they don't have that kind of pressure there's no commercial pressure to succeed in that way and so they can just they have the freedom to tell creative stories however they want to and that's uh that's its own reward and that's great for the fans and i i think if you did that on your big shows um ultimately it would pay dividends i think so too i mean i you know i kind of like that slow burn that build the story over a while 
And I also, I think that there is some, I think there is some truth in that um, you can bring the audience with you. Like you can sort of make them come around to what, you know, you'd like them to, not always, but you, you don't have to always just be reacting the way they are. Yeah, I, I agree. But um, nevertheless, NXT was was pretty spectacular. Number two on our list was the, the opening match of that show. and uh, I mean, Which I can't believe is number two on right. our list. I <laughs> thought for sure it was, when it was over, I thought for sure it would be number one on our list. Yeah, I, mean, I was like, this is the greatest match I've ever seen. <laughs> and, it was, and, and then it was like immediately like overshadowed. But we'll get to that. But, uh, you know, the, the tag team match between the Undisputed Era and they're calling them now the War Raiders. Yeah, I keep uh, messing that up. <laughs> yeah, so they were they went by a similar name in New Japan Pro Wrestling, but they are the War Raiders, and uh, this was a tag team match. That NXT always has great tag team matches, and this was no exception. And um, I thought this, I mean, it's only January, <laughs> but this was among the best matches of the year. Just like an incredible spot fest, and I mean that in a positive way, not some people say that as a negative, um, but so much action going on in the ring, and uh, it was spectacular. Yeah, the the pace was great. I could not believe that the larger guys could keep it up. I was so impressed. I was so impressed with them. You don't even understand. Um, great tandem offense from both teams, which yes. I love to see. And um, then the just the big guys and the agility and athleticism that they that they pulled out. I mean, I haven't you know I. I've seen them a little bit in some old New Japan stuff. I've seen them one other time, I think, uh, now at NXT. So I wasn't super familiar with them, but um, just incredibly impressive <laughs> what they can do as big as they are. I was yeah, just, just amazing. So the, the two guys are Hanson and Roe, I think, are their names. And yeah. Hanson, I believe, is the bigger He's one. He's the bigger one. And he does, like, a cartwheel out of, like, danger. And, like, a, he did this dive out of the ring where the guys let him crash and burn. And that kind of turned the match around. But the fact that a man that size is doing these kind of maneuvers is uh, is so remarkable. And I remember, like, I did this podcast with this guy, Aubrey Sitterson. And he talks. it was talking about New Japan. And it was the first time I, I had ever seen these guys. So, um I was just going crazy because, you know, they were doing this stuff I had never seen men that size do. And you know how I love fat guys. You do. And I, and the fact that these fat guys can move the way they do. So I'm going crazy. And these two other guys on the podcast are just like, ugh. I have to stop you, though. Whoa. These guys are not fat guys. These are hosses. They're hosses. Yes. They, Even the fat one? Yes. I we, We've been over this a million times. They do not wrestle like fat guys. They don't wrestle like fat guys. They wrestle like hosses. That makes them hoss wrestlers. Okay, so the fat hoss, <laughs> who is, wrestles like a hoss but is a fat guy, fat hoss, um... Anyway, I was so impressed with these guys, but the, the the other people on the podcast, because I guess they had seen them a bunch of times, were just kind of like, oh, it's the fat guys doing the incredible flips and moves. Like, it's like, it's so funny that how, how like kind of spoiled you can get to it, like with just a little bit of time, um, you know, if you let yourself. Well, early in the match, when um, Hanson used the cartwheel for the first time, like, you know, he was fresh enough that he legit like he legitimately got out of the way of like full speed movements using a cartwheel and I just went crazy now he brought it out a little later in the match when everyone was tired and everything was a bit more slow so it wasn't as impressive but the first time around I just went crazy it was amazing yeah so that was a, a great match and I I look forward to Maybe seeing that match again or, or seeing both teams, I, I would love to see everyone involved again because that was a, a, a match that um, that was perfect. And it was a perfect uh, stage setter for that entire show because, you know, it got the crowd just going crazy and uh, and they never really came back down again. It didn't feel like. So that was that was a great wrestling match. It was great. But it was not number one. Yes, somehow it was not number one. Because there was a match... That um, I just don't even have words for between Ricochet and Johnny Gargano. That was uh, 
just amazed me. Like uh, everything about it, I thought was was great, and uh, I, I don't know what what you felt. No, it it was amazing. Um, I I thought at first it was starting off like a little a little slow. I wasn't sure where they were gonna go with it, um, but I, yeah, I mean it's it's tough. I, we watch a lot of wrestling, and we watch a lot of really talented wrestlers. So I mean. It, I think it's at this point I'm like you said I'm a little tough to impress. It was very impressive. <laughs> yeah, so I mean the this was world class athleticism, uh, and it was combined with perfect execution, and that's a, a good combination. And what what I liked about it is it was a little bit more than that because there are a lot of matches that we watch where guys are just doing these these flips and these exciting moves, and it doesn't really all tie together. But this one also had character beats in it, uh, especially with Gargano, um, tr kind of like battling with himself about what what he has to be who he has to be to be a successful wrestler at the top level of a wwe promotion that's right how far does he have to yes go? does he have to change who he is as a human being to to be a successful wrestler and i think you know what he's he's kind of determining that yeah he, he's gonna have to that's right and we and we saw that with his um i'm gonna have to do anything to win uh where he would bared the concrete and uh put ricochet into it <laughs> so I, I i mean i was just uh I, I was really impressed with the storytelling uh that that came out of that match and and that it, it didn't have to be um oversold by the announcers like sometimes you know the announcers will, will get a little bit i mean they away. try they, yeah i mean they, they can try to ruin it but you know the story was being told by the wrestlers not uh, not the wrestlers had told the announcers earlier what the story was going to be, and then you know they're saying stuff that doesn't really make sense. Um, this was a real story being told by the performers in the ring, and that's the best kind. Yep. So uh, I I loved it, and I think uh, we found out later, uh, and you could see it in retrospect the the influence of Shawn Michaels on this match. Uh yeah, I actually before we went in, I, I guess it was. While we were watching the NXT show, I asked you, who who is on their creative team? Like, who is driving some of this? And then we watched the pre-show for Royal Rumble, and I learned that Shawn Michaels is heavily involved in... Like, okay, this makes sense now. <laughs> this suddenly makes sense. Yeah, because these are the kind of emotions that Shawn discovered late in his career. Uh, as his, uh, his physical abilities kind of waned... He, he had to find these other elements of a wrestling match that he could make his own and, and draw the audience in the same way. And, you know, so he had these kind of storytelling matches with Undertaker, with Ric Flair, and, and with Hunter that uh, that you could really feel the, the echoes of in this match. Only this was with guys that are also in their physical prime. And so that, you know, just added a little something to it. Yeah, so. I mean, he has one of my favorite of all times, which is the um, his match with Stone Cold where you know his back is is given out it's it has given out on him and he is in intense pain and he's fighting through it and that match gets me every time i see it <laughs> <laughs> um so yeah I, I i was in love with that match i in the moment, like I can get carried away with things, and like every match I see is like, oh, that's yeah, the you best can. match ever. <laughs> I remember, like, there was like a long time where, no, like, you made fun of me for years because we came out of the, the movie Legends of the Fall. <laughs> Right. With Brad Pitt and uh, I was like, "This is the greatest film ever." You were just beside yourself with emotion. <laughs> and, was, and I'm much that way with everything, you know. Like I have a lot of uh, strong feelings about these these things, and so in the moment, I was like, "This is the greatest thing I've ever seen." But I, I think even like two days later, like I, I think it holds up with the the best matches we saw from New Japan at the Tokyo Dome. Like I think it was, it's in that class. It's like a match that we'll talk about as match of the year at the end of the year, possibly. Yeah. All right. Well, so uh, anything else you want to say about the, the weekend? or? Um, are we moving on to other things we saw, or are we going to go into listener questions? Well, I guess normally we would go into listener mail, but I, I feel like uh, we're doing a disservice to Ring of Honor. 
because they didn't have any individual match placed in our top five, but you know there were three Ring of Honor shows from Texas this this weekend that we watched and and really enjoyed, and um, it feels like some of the people in the community are, are, are picking on Ring of Honor a little bit, and uh, I just wanted to acknowledge that. Um, should they all be listening <laughs> that I enjoyed it what they're doing yeah it was the tag wars um, I you know I thought all the shows were really enjoyable um, yeah no one match like you say made it in into our uh, our top five but um, we watched all three shows and we enjoyed all of them uh, we wanted I know you and I were both uh, talking that we you know I don't. I actually didn't know him before this year when we started watching Ring of Honor, but uh, we both come to enjoy uh, Silas Young quite a bit. Yeah, uh, last real man in wrestling. <laughs> yeah, so I I not I was not familiar with Silas Young either, which is no disrespect to him. We just weren't watching a lot of wrestling during the the last few years. But uh, I thought he was really good as like this. He's a very smart wrestler. Very smart. Uh, and, and he's a good base for, like, a, he had a match with this guy, Bandito, where he, he was a good base for the high-flying antics of Bandito, and, and he kind of grounds everything and brings it back to reality sometimes. And uh, he does a really good job of making the other guy look good while, while also always being strong himself. So, um, Yeah, I, super solid. I like that a lot. Yeah, so he's like a, one of these guys where... I, you know he's never going to be the top star in the promotion, but he's a guy that's good to have around because he he can work with anybody, and he's going to look good coming out of it. They're going to look good coming out of it. So it's a uh, uh, it's good. It, he had a good match, and I like that. And then uh, I couldn't I wanted to say something about the Kingdom versus Villains Club because uh, you know Villain Enterprises. Villain Enterprises. It's not a club. <laughs> My goodness. I wonder where I got club from. Um, so yeah, these they had a tag match and it was like a modern ECW style with just this wild execution and broad character work and there's this old man PCO who's <laughs> like a, some sort of cyborg and these two crazy guys from the kingdom and one of them is trying PCO literally has one of his one glass eye and the guy's like trying to rip out his other eye and the old man's going through tables and like the the whole thing was just uh, uh, insane. And uh, I, I really loved it, and uh, I'm, I'm really uh, enjoying the team of PCO and Brody King. And uh, so, you know, I'm, I, I'm all in on the villain enterprises. And, uh, <laughs> and, look, right. and look forward to seeing what they have in store, because that looks like it's going to be um, kind of the, the, one of the hot feuds going uh, through the summer, if I had to guess. All right, so now on to listener questions. All right, on to listener uh, questions. And Danny Cheeseburger wants to know, um, are you the slightest bit interested in CM Punk uh, coming in to wrestle with AEW? All right, so this one I had to defer to you a little bit because I am actually only familiar with CM Punk on the mic and in UFC. <laughs> well, I mean, it was so the he, good and the bad. <laughs> well, he was big during the time when I just simply wasn't watching. So I've seen a lot. In, you know, I've seen a lot of his promos before, right? Uh, but I haven't seen hardly any of his wrestling. So I'm gonna have to defer to you. So he's kind of a, a beloved indie wrestler, uh, right around the same time period as a lot of the guys that we like, Samoa Joe and. And, and Brian Danielson and, and, and that era uh, before he went to WWE. So um, he can work in, in the style that's kind of popular that now, which is kind of like a variation of that. And then also, you know, he has the polish that comes with being in, in WWE for, for a little while. So I, you know, I, I think he would fit in well. Um, and the reason I think that he would be good, besides the fact that he would be the biggest star that they could possibly sign, um, is the fact that they need a bad guy. So the problem with AEW is that all the wrestlers that they've signed, even the ones who are ostensibly heels, 
uh, are kind of like baby faces because the presentation of being the elite uh, put cast them in such a positive light that you know you kind of fall in love with them whether it's the villain Marty Skrull or, or MJF or, or even Chris Jericho who is has natural heel qualities um, you know the Cody Rhodes uh, you know all of them are going to be cheered by the fans and so you need a foil we talked about this before and I think that CM Punk when you watch him interact on Twitter like he has the capability of really being mean to people. <laughs> and if he turned that energy against the young bucks, against the fans, he could be that other side that um, people would want to love him. But I, I think he's strong enough that he could avoid that temptation to fall into that trap. And he'd be a good foil for, for the wrestlers that they have there. So I would be excited for that because um, – there's like this this idea, I guess, that among people who pay attention to me that I dislike CM Punk <laughs> for some reason, um, you know, because I made some light fun of, you know, his early statements that like, why couldn't I fight for a UFC title? Well, because you're terrible. <laughs> you know, it's not no offense to you. Like, it's a real sport. Like, you can't just talk it into reality. Like, you have to actually be able to perform it, and 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 it's it's different than pro wrestling. Right. Well, I agree with you in pro wrestling. Why couldn't you be WWE champion? Why not? You're a good performer. UFC is different. You have to win the fight. And uh, he blocked me on Twitter. And so a lot of times people think that means that I have a problem with them. Of course, I don't. I've got like six best of CM Punk discs <laughs> in my collection. You know, I still love CM Punk. Um, so I think he would be a good fit. All right. So our, our next question is from AJG. Uh, and wants to know, have either of you ever injured yourselves or someone else trying out moves? Uh, and, and he cites a frog splash. Uh, indeed hurt when he jumped off a mantle onto twin beds. So <laughs> <laughs> personal experience that wrestling moves do indeed hurt. Uh, what about what about it? Uh, well, I'm, we once, uh, I mean, years and years ago, uh, were practicing what I think now they would call super kicks in a grocery store. <laughs> and there was a miscommunication and uh, you had gotten serious for a moment to like ask me a question and I was still practicing my super kicks. <laughs> and I gave you a pretty good <laughs> kick to the upper body. I don't think I, I don't think I got your face. I'm not sure. I don't remember. Did I get your face? <laughs> I, I don't think you made contact with my face, but you kicked me hard enough that it knocked my glasses off. <laughs> <laughs> I do remember that. We were still in high school, I think. I, I think it was maybe college or law school. Okay. We were back at home, but I think we yeah. were already in We college. were young people. Though. Yes, we were young. And uh, yeah, you kicked the crap out of me. People <laughs> in the store were just looking at us like, what did that guy do? <laughs> what did he say? <laughs> yeah, just a just a really dumb dumb miscommunication <laughs> that's what you claim i mean i've always believed that you just really wanted to kick me and you took that opportunity when i wasn't looking <laughs> i will also point out that wrestling your children has managed to break multiple pieces of furniture in the house <laughs> i blame the kids <laughs> right it was the kids they forced me into a shoot sometimes <laughs> Yeah, we definitely had a body slam one time into the, our old bed <laughs> and a horrible crack that followed. And our former bed. Yeah, so well, I was just very pleased that that crack was not someone's head or bones. <laughs> it, it was the bed. Best possible case. Uh, well, the best case is not breaking not the bed. Not breaking the bed. <laughs> but yeah, we had that Or happen. breaking it, doing something more fun. <laughs> Yeah, not that enthusiastic about that, but wrestling, yes. Um, <laughs> and so also when I was a teenager and my brother's, um, golly, how he's like uh, eight years, five years younger than me. Uh, I don't know. I can't do math. He's younger than me. My little brother, I belly to belly suplexed him. It was supposed to be on the bed, but I went a little far and he went went flying into the wall and uh knocked a, a picture down and um and we had to pretend like that never happened oh oh we can include things that aren't just like me and you or or this family because i have that shoulder that can come out of socket uh-huh and so i used to when i'd wrestle with my brothers uh sometimes you know use that to like really gross them out 
Yeah, yeah, I'd say 90% of our wrestling these days is in like a swimming pool context. And so it's generally uh, pretty easy on the body. I, I can definitely get the kids up for some good throws and stuff, though. In, in the in the pool. Yeah, for they now. Like that. For now. <laughs> for now. That's we'll fair. see how long that lasts. <laughs> um, so, and, and our final question is from Office Troll uh, slash Ralphie9181, which may or may not be his birthday or his password. Let's go find <laughs> out. Um, uh, do you guys make the buzzer sound in your living room during the Royal Rumble countdown? You know, I've never thought about making the buzzer sound. I do the countdown every time. <laughs> With every single athlete, all 60 of them, I guess, in this last show. And, for, you know, and uh, would always do the pretend like the glass is breaking for Stone Cold, like every third entrant. <laughs> it's Stone Cold! <laughs> But, um, yeah, I don't think I've ever done the buzzer. No, the buzzer's not it for me. But, you know, what, what I love about the Royal Rumble, I think, is that... And we really... I really just... I get legitimately excited before every single entry. And it's just, like... That's what's great about it is, like, this this infinite uh, feeling of possibility. Like, you know, with each one, it's like, this could be something great. Yeah. And 90% of the time, it's no, not. it's not. <laughs> it's like, uh, it's it's someone that you don't care about or yeah, you don't know. Yeah, it's Jinder Mahal. Yeah, it's Jinder But sometimes it's Stone Cold. That's or right. it's Jeff Jarrett. That's right. Uh, and so you, you just don't, you never know. And that's like the the greatest feeling to me is like just that, that sense of excitement of not knowing what's going to happen and hoping for the best. Yeah, and you know, the problem with that. I guess if it's a problem, it's not a problem. I guess it's a good thing is that we've had, we've had those kinds of situations come up even just in the last few months where like you're waiting to find out who somebody's new tag partner is going to be, you know, who's, who's the new LIJ member. And, and like, I, it was the same kind of like excitement, like, Oh, who's it going to be? And then it was actually exciting. And, you know, so this year the, Rumble was a bit of a letdown. I mean, they brought Double J out immediately, right. which like probably only excited me. But <laughs> <laughs> and then after that, it was just nothing. And well, until the Nia Jack surprise. But I had, like I said, mixed emotions. Yeah. So yeah, it was a it was a mixed effort, I think, on on WWE's part. But you know, you did have that that slight question before each and every one, like, is this going to be Kenny? Is this going to be Kota Ibushi? And I didn't believe it was, but what if it was? Yeah, I. that's the thing is I was pretty sure it was not going to be. <laughs> but still, there was like a little bit of like, what if it was? <laughs> yeah, so they, they need some new tropes too for the Royal Rumble because, you know, for years, like they, they've made a big deal out of Kofi Kingston's uh, rescuing himself from, right. from imminent disaster. It was pretty cool when it, it happened organically and, you know, fans caught on to it and, and it, it was fun. But, you know, they've made it a corporate thing and it's a big deal now. And now, like, before Kofi could even do a, a gimmick, there had been three previous ones done. Right. Um, so, you know, it, they need something new. There's something that needs to freshen up the Royal Rumble. Um because you know some of the the stuff they they typically do is kind of faded. The the it's not as fun as it used to be. So I'm I'm curious to see what's next. Well, I was glad they brought in some of the NXT talent, um, so that at least you got a little bit of decent in ring action. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. With I mean, without those guys coming in, I mean, it was really full, cool to see Johnny Gargano come out after his epic match. And Pete Dunne from NXT UK came Alistair out. Alistair Black. Yeah, and they they immediately invigorated the action because you know what I was you know what now that I think about it, what really disappointed me is that nobody picked up Jericho's mantle, because every year I want to know how long is Jericho just going to sit in a corner <laughs> and and manage to do as little as possible and I you know really no one no one Jerichoed it no one. I don't know. There was I, maybe everybody jericho it for parts of it. <laughs> 
but yeah, that was always it. There was moment, there was times, years where Jericho would just literally just sit there. I I would point it out. He's still just sitting there. He's still in there. He's the greatest. Look at him. Just sitting there. <laughs> Do you remember the one where uh, Brock Lesnar came in and he took everyone in the ring with suplex by Brock Lesnar, except for Jericho, who just would not get up out of the corner. <laughs> he was, he was the master. It. He was great. It's the, I mean, why is it not everybody's strategy? It was better than crawling under the ring or whatever. He was just sitting in the corner and just, just sit in the corner. That was it. Collect this paycheck. That's right. So God bless Chris Jericho. So uh, as big as this week was for wrestling, Christina, before we go, we have to talk about next week because, um, not as big New Japan house show and indie shows are maybe not as big for everyone else, but for us being there live for the first time in forever, like uh, uh, it's going to be epic. Yeah, I was pretty excited anyway with uh, this week. We have the Road to New Beginning shows with New Japan, which we've already uh, started watching since we're a day late getting started here. And then New, Be- uh, New Beginning in Sapporo this weekend. Uh, but then, you know, suddenly it wasn't just a week filled with watching New Japan shows from Japan. Suddenly we are going to get to see some of our favorites. Yeah, it's it's going to be really exciting to go to Nashville and watch New Japan Pro Wrestling live. And, you know, there was a lot of controversy online uh, based on the fact that the the roster that's going to be there is not what some people hoped. But, you know, there are some of our legitimate favorite wrestlers in the entire world are coming out uh, and people that we've really started to, to, to know and love, like uh, Brody King and Jeff Cobb and Juice Robinson and David Finley and Rocky Romero are, are all going to be there. Lance, Gresham. Oh, Jonathan Gresham. That's right. Who's like one of my absolute favorites in Ring of Honor and Lance Archer. Uh, you know, I, I feel like really excited about going to see this. And I know it's not... Okada and Tanahashi and Kenny Omega and, and, you know, people that you're used to associating with New Japan. But at the same time, it is like some really, really, really good talent. And uh, I'm, I'm just curious to know what it feels like to go see a wrestling show live like this. Yeah, I mean, it's been so long. Um, yeah, I'm excited. We get the added excitement of figuring out whether or not our kids are going to put up with it. <laughs> And, and you get to travel to Nashville and like, you know. I haven't been to Nashville since I was 13. Yeah, so. I'm not going to do the math and tell you how long ago that was. <laughs> I know. I know how long ago it was, but I won't tell the audience okay. as a, out of respect for you. Uh, thank you. <laughs> but for, uh, the two days prior to that, um, I will actually see uh, two additional wrestling shows in Atlanta for Super Bowl weekend. Uh, there's going to be a bar fight between Ken Shamrock, who I'm writing a book about, and and. Filthy Tom Lawler, uh, another MMA fighter, and there's going to be Frankie Kazarian's band is going to play at this bar, and there's going to be a bunch of other uh, shenanigans and and wildness. And then the very next day, the same promoter has a more traditional wrestling show, and uh, Joey Ryan is going to be there, and SCU is going to be there, and Penta and Ray Phoenix are going to be there, and Joey Janela is going to be on commentary. This all sounds amazing for you. <laughs> you had an invite. <laughs> But yeah, it would have been hard to pull that entire weekend off with the kids. Yeah, and, I can't do that. <laughs> and I have some, some business to conduct uh, with Ken. This is going to be um, probably, I guess, the, the final scene, if you will, in the biography I'm writing of him. Um, his first uh, American wrestling match in, I think, like nine years or something. So it's his return to the world of professional wrestling, which he had sort of left behind. And that it's uh, going to be one of the a way to close out this book. You know, so much of it's going to be about you know his early years and his glory years and his decline. But now you know he's found his path again, and, and it's going to include professional wrestling in some way. And it, it'll be cool to be there in person and, and talk to Ken and, and see what you know how he's feeling in his fifties uh, back at doing wrestling. It, it, it should be interesting. You know, I'm just actually noticing the parallel between Ken Shamrock leaving wrestling and you leaving the fandom for a while. And now you're both coming back at the same time. Uh, Both of us older, a little wiser, uh, both of us in in tremendous physical condition. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, So, uh, I mean, I I didn't even mention... uh, 
for the old school fans, uh, both Glacier and the Yeti from WCW are also going to be on this show. Um, for me, that's so exciting. Like I'm just totally marking out about all of this. So uh, I think probably our next show will be uh, a lot about our live experience at these various events and maybe maybe New Japan will wow us as well. Uh, MLW. Oh, man. And the uh, title match yeah, is this like, weekend as well. Yeah, so as I leave Atlanta uh, to go to Nashville, uh, Filthy Tom Lawler will be getting on a flight uh, to Philadelphia where uh, he'll go from these matches to challenging low-key for the MLW Championship. And that's going to... I mean, they've been building to this match forever on yeah, MLW. Yeah, excited. And uh, so, yeah, there's going to be a lot of great wrestling. Like, this is going to be a good week. And uh, I, I, I'm really... Uh, I heard there's like a Super Bowl. Uh, <laughs> I, yeah, I mean, some kind of football game. Uh, we won't be watching that. We'll be catching up on our wrestling. So uh, that's uh, it's going to be awesome, and, and I can't wait. And somebody has a birthday. Who? <laughs> Ken Shamrock? Filthy <laughs> Tom Lawler? You, and I won't tell anybody how old you're going to be. All right, I appreciate that. <laughs> yes, ne- next time we, we talk, I will be one year older. <laughs> Wiser. Better. So uh, if you can't, I mean, you can barely handle me now, people, but, you know, it's just getting better and better.